All right, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to Life Point. We are in this series, uh, The Beginning, and uh, Matt and Jennifer gone. They had, he was here last week, and they are celebrating their 25 year anniversary, and so they're taking some time. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and we're stepping through the beginning of the Bible, looking at Genesis. We've been in Genesis 1, we've been in Genesis chapter 2. We've in- unpacked a lot there. We've unpacked about God, the creation, uh, about God, and kind of the beginning of all things, and how he was. The character of God's before time. We last week we talked about marriage and what that looked like when God established marriage, and then this week we're talking about uh, chapter three, which honestly is the maybe the most difficult of these, and it's definitely the least fun to talk about and think about. But I think it's very important that we look at it because it's something all of us. What we're going to talk about today, all of us. I would I would actually waver. All of us are being impacted by it right now, not just. We've been impacted by it, but I think we all are impacted by it currently. And um, I'm going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag right here at the beginning. We're dealing with this idea of brokenness. Brokenness. Um, Man, that's not hard to figure out what brokenness looks like. I was thinking this morning as I woke up, just all the uh, brokenness that existed in my life, you know? Like the simple things. Like when I got up this morning... I've been working out, trying to power lift again since the first time since I've been like 18 or 19. I'm actually trying to power lift, move heavy weights. And I was deadlifting Monday, and we were trying to do more sets, more reps, and I got loose, and I pulled something in my back Monday. So when I got up this morning and I went to get out of the bed, I was very aware of what brokenness felt like. Like it felt like a shooting pain up the right side of my back, you know. Um, when I went into the bathroom uh, to get a shower, uh, I live at a house with four, three daughters, my wife, and um, for some reason, my daughters like to come use our shower. It's got a tub in it. They don't use their shower as much as they'll use ours with the tub in it. And almost always, there's just a plethora of hair laying in a bathtub. I know that's gross, but it's my reality. That's why I live, so welcome to it. And... That's the brokenness, right? Like, we shouldn't be losing hair all the time, but, like, there it is, and I'm having to deal with that before I get a shower, you know? I get through, I go in, I, I go sit on the bed, and I have to put on these, if anybody know me, uh, I, I wear these, like, I, I try to do different colors to make it fun, but I wear these support socks every single day of my life. I have this disorder where my body creates more veins than are needed, and so I have to, like, keep them compressed. It causes all kinds of issues, so I'm putting those on, and as I'm putting those on, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm broken. You know, I get dressed and about to head out the door and realize, oh, got to take my medication, so I go take my blood pressure pill because I'm broken, right? And then me and my wife have a long conversation about social media and about phones and about what our kids are exposed to and can be exposed to. And man, you think about all that brokenness that exists, like the, the world is trying to take what could be a good tool, right, and just corrupt it in so many different ways and people feeling less than and people feeling like they can't match up or people being, you know, connected to things that just addict them because of the dopamine they get from from looking at things or being involved in things. And, man, you just think brokenness, brokenness, brokenness. It's just there. And there's all other kinds that you experience. Like, that's, that's my morning, but you experienced your own brokenness. And some of it's not just physical some of it's not just these temptations but some of it's emotional some of it's by maybe you've lost someone that's close to you and the pain of that doesn't leave you 
Maybe someone that you know that's uh, been a good friend of yours has done something that hurts you. They feel like it's been a betrayal or they stabbed you in the back. And that's brokenness. Uh, maybe you find yourself in a marriage that is struggling to have the same amount of connectivity that it had in the beginning. And that's the brokenness that is existing. I mean, it's everywhere is brokenness. And the thing about brokenness is we find where it all comes from back at the beginning. See, we talked about last week how God had made Adam, God had made Eve. They had this relationship. We talked about the garden. We talked about how God had made the, the uh, stars and the sun, the earth. He had made the heavens. He had made the waters. He had made the, the trees. He made the animals. And he did all this. And it's all been fantastic. But in chapter 3, it's what we know as the fall. And in it, the enemy, in the form of a serpent, visits Eve one day and says, Eve, you really think you can't eat of that tree? Would God really kill you if you eat of that one tree? See, God had told Adam and Eve, you can eat of anything in this garden except this one tree. And I always thought, why? That's a good question. Like, why, why this one tree? And I'm going to be honest, I'm going to have a lot of like, I'm going to bring some things up that I'm not going to have a lot of really great answers for, but I'm going to give you what, I, what I've come to learn in the last, I don't know, 20 years. And then also just some scripture from the New Testament that I think will help us navigate through some of this. I believe that when God created Adam and Eve, he talks about how God creates Adam and Eve, breathes in the breath of life. And we have this terminology called the Imago Dei, the image of God inside of us. And I really think that image of God inside of us is this idea that we have free will to choose. And so for there to be this free will to choose in that moment when there's these, all this stuff that God has created that they can eat of except this one tree, God's saying, hey, you can have of anything, but don't eat this tree. And what he's saying is don't choose something else over me. I have loved you, I've made you, but I've got to give you choice because if you don't have choice, you're just like the, uh, you know, just like the, the wolf. The wolf's going to do what the wolf's going to do. You're just like the oak tree. The oak tree's going to do what the oak tree's going to do. But I am creating a creation that has the ability to choose to love me back. And for a long time, or for at least the first few chapters, we see where Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God and they loved God. They had this relationship with God. They taught with God. God was their heavenly father. There was this closeness to God. But in chapter three, the serpent comes and tells Eve, says, hey, surely you won't die if you eat of this. It says, in fact, you'll actually be like God. And pride begins to creep in. And to be very simple about it, Eve felt like eating from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil was what was best for her. She felt like it was the right thing to do. And she followed what was her feelings and she ate of that fruit and she gave it to Adam to eat of it. And in that moment, the Bible says they realized they were naked and they were ashamed. They covered themselves and they hid themselves from God. Now, up to this point, they had had this relationship, intimacy with God. Adam and Eve had this relationship with God where they were close to God. God was close to them. And now at this moment, they're ashamed and they're hiding themselves from God. There is this gulf that's existing now between them and God. Because of this choice to do something they felt like was the right thing to do. They just felt it was good, but it wasn't. And what I want to share with you this morning is because in that moment, all this brokenness we talked about entered into the picture. 
And God reveals this brokenness in a way, and it's some poetic writing that happens in Genesis, and it's some poetic writing that he writes kind of what we call the curse. Here's what the curse looks like. Now, we know because of the brokenness we experience, the curse engulfs all the brokenness, the things that are not the way it was meant to be, the way it was intentionally created to be in the beginning. But I want to look at exactly what it says, all right? And then I want to move through and look at some stuff in New Testament that Jesus says and Jesus does to those of us who find ourselves in these broken situations. So, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 says this. And this is God talking to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Uh, now this is, this is, some people think this is just totally talking about that the serpent actually, you know, is going to, that's why with serpent snake, it's always on his belly. Some people believe this is an early prophecy of the fact that Jesus would come from the lineage and Jesus' heel would bruise the head of the serpent and this would be where redemption would begin. Uh, needless to say, though, there is consequences for the serpent. But let's, don't worry about the serpent as much. Let's worry about the consequences that come to Adam and to Eve. This is to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Now, what's interesting is this, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. Now look. This, again, this is some, some poetic stuff. I'm going to kind of try to flesh this out for you. But first off, let me say, uh, when we first got pregnant, or when my wife got pregnant, I should say we, we always say that as men, like we had to do any of the heavy work, right? Um, but when my wife was pregnant with our first child, I had so many people come up to me and go, oh, this is the most beautiful thing. Uh, when she has this baby, it's going to be the most beautiful experience of your life. You can't wait. You're going to be there. It's going to be so great. And I was kind of like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Like, we're going to have a kid, you know, and I'm going to be in the room. It's going to be great. And about halfway through that ordeal, I wanted to take my phone out and call every person who had told me that and said, you are a liar. There is much pain in childbirth. And I think what God is saying in this moment is, here's the other thing. There's nothing, you're right, there's nothing more beautiful than life coming into existence, right? It's incredible. One of the greatest gifts of my life has been my daughters. It's unbelievably beautiful. But the thing that's the most beautiful in life, that's one of the most amazing miracles that we experience daily that somebody's having kids right now in the hospitals like it's just something that happens every day that beautiful thing is still affected by the brokenness of this decision because Eve chose what she felt like was right instead of choosing to follow and love God brokenness entered in and he's I believe God's telling them like it's all the beautiful things are going to have brokenness inside of them it's still going to, like, there's still going to be some beauty. There's still going to be some amazing miracles. There's still some beauty, but it's going to be brokenness. You're going to see brokenness everywhere you go. And then the, your desire should be contrary to your husband and he shall rule over you. Now, look, I know some of you have relationships where you never argue, all right, which is awesome, great for you. For the rest of us, again, that marriage relationship Do you remember how that was something super special God created? Like how Matt was talking about last week? Like this is a beautiful thing. Like 
Eve takes, God takes the rib of Adam, forms Eve, and they have this amazing relationship. So Adam's not alone anymore. It's a beautiful thing. He's saying, even in this now, even in this relationship, there's going to be strife. There's going to be argument. There's going to be people striving to be put ahead of the other one. It's going to be issues and difficulties within this relationship, even though it's a beautiful thing that was created. And I don't know about you, but we find that to be true. There are times when me and my wife are arguing over the most petty thing I could ever think of in my life. And if I could just stop myself and go, oh, okay, this is the fall. Like, this is, this is the fall. Like, why are we arguing over this? And it goes all the way back to the brokenness that came into the world from the beginning, the fall. Then he says, uh, to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, you have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it, you were taken. For your dust, and to dust, you shall return. And he's saying, look, now because of this, two things here to mention. Number one, you're going to work every day, and it's going to be difficult. To, to make food, the garden, they could eat whatever, whenever. Like God was providing the garden. It was lush. It was growing. But now the brokenness is there in the world. You've got to work the ground. And the ground is going to be tough to work. And that's transitioned all the way down to us. I mean, look, some of you are like going to wake up in the morning and you're going to have this amazing job you're going to. And you're like, oh, I love work. Work's so much fun. Work, 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 work. And then a lot of you are going to be like, oh, my gosh, I've got to do this again. But regardless... It wears us out no matter what we're doing. And it, the toil, the pain that we're working to try to provide has become this thing. This was not the intention of creation. It wasn't for us to have to strive every single day just to survive. But the brokenness has taken us to that point. And then he tells them, you came from dust. To dust you'll return. And that's really the kind of climax of this whole thing is that you will die now. You remember the serpent told Eve, surely you won't die. And God assures Adam, you will return to dust. And this is the curse. And from that moment, from those statements, all of brokenness, all the things we've experienced, the loss we've experienced, the struggles we experienced, the physical health issues, the mental health issues, the addiction issues, all the things we've experienced from that moment on has came out of this brokenness and the curse. And, and it wasn't, look, God, again, I want you to understand this. this. This wasn't the created intent of the garden and of man. But this is the result of man choosing to love their own idea in their own way more than loving God. And so it leaves us in this place of going, well, what do we do about that? In all the Old Testament, people just keep falling into brokenness. Even the guys that we think are the greatest, they have all these moments that get thrown out there of, of intense brokenness. They do things wrong. They make mistakes. They hurt people. Uh, they turn against God. They lie. I mean, all these things keep going. The brokenness keeps compounding from this moment to, to, to 6,000 years into the future. But along that same time, we get to be told quite a bit about a guy named Jesus. And Jesus begins to be hinting at this Messiah coming that's going to be the answer to our brokenness. That is going to be the, 
the one to fix this brokenness that exists. That's going to be one to heal the broken relationship that now exists between God and man. And in that healing, all brokenness finds its way set right. So this Messiah to come begins to be prophesied about. And then 6,000 years later, Jesus, roughly, Jesus shows up. And for those of us who couldn't believe, we hear about Jesus in his, uh, his perfect life, his sacrifice on the cross, his resurrection. We come to believe in that, and we believe Jesus is the Messiah who we follow, who we put our faith in to have our relationship with God reconciled. But I want you to see, I want you to see what Jesus does a couple of times while he's here on this earth. Because I think he does something to speak to brokenness in a very real way. So check this out. Uh, this is in Luke chapter 5. It says, while he, talking about Jesus, was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, leprosy, I don't know if you understand much about leprosy, but leprosy is a really, really rough disease. What it does is it kills your nerve uh, endings. And so people don't take care of themselves. They'll, they'll do things with their hands. They don't feel pain. And that's why you see a lot of people have pictures that they have leprosy. There's like hands that are all like gnarled and, 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 and it looks like they've lost appendages or fingers because they, they just don't feel pain. It's, and, and, it, and they just look rough and, and they don't know how to take care of themselves. And when you don't have pain, you don't know that something's going wrong. And so it was a very, it seemed to be this very horrible disease that was going on and so people like they they would take these people that had leprosy and they would remove them from the normal community and they would they would gather all the people with leprosy up and they would push them out into what would be called leper colonies and the idea was is that we don't want to make sure nobody else gets this and so they would separate them segregate them put them in their own little colony, and people would come by from time to time, and they might throw food in there. They couldn't work anywhere. They, they, they couldn't be a part of a, their family anymore. They were, they were separated from their family and just put, their new family was this leper colony, all people who had the same disease. And when people would walk down the street, if they saw someone with leprosy, they would intentionally find themselves going to the other side of the street just so they didn't get close to this person with leprosy. And so one time this guy sees Jesus coming and he says to him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. Now, we know what the things Jesus does, right? Jesus heals people. Jesus loves people. Jesus connects with people. But I want you to see one of the most beautiful things because I think this is a key to what God does, what Jesus does with us in our own brokenness. All right? Check this out. It says, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. Now look, we know the healing part. Jesus does this a lot. But there's something unique he does here that he doesn't do in very many other places. It's like one other time he does this, all right? Most time when people ask him to heal, he goes, all right, be healed. He goes, hey, get up and walk. He tells them, okay, now you're healed. Now see, and, and this healing happens. The same way that God spoke the world into existence. Remember we talked about that a few weeks ago. God spoke and the world came into existence. But here Jesus does something different. He says he stretched out his hand and touched him. Now leprosy is one of the most, I mean it's the brokenness at its highest level. 
And here's what we see Jesus do in this moment of intense brokenness. He touches this broken man. See, I want you to understand that you're going to go, I'm going to go, we're all going to go through brokenness. Like I wish there was some magic prayer you could pray that would do away with all the brokenness that exists in your life. That you wouldn't deal with the disappointments or the hurts that happen in your life. But those are coming. Because of what happened in the fall, the brokenness is here. And Jesus has redeemed our way back relationship with God. But until he comes back, this brokenness on this earth is still going to exist. But here's the cool thing. Is that Jesus will not let you sit in your brokenness by yourself. If you ask him and reach out to him, he will touch you and sit with you in that brokenness. If you're struggling, Jesus cares. If you've got loss and you're dealing with grief, Jesus cares. If you need to know, if you need to know like someone's with you in the middle of your most intense pain, just know Jesus cares. He is with you. See, I think that for us who are struggling with any kind of brokenness this morning, the first thing we have to understand is this. Is that Jesus is our hope. I know like we hope, man, I hope this gets better or I hope this person would apologize or I hope that this would go away. I hope that somehow I'd be healed. It's crazy, you know, and I can't explain this. Like this is, we've had two people here um, that we have intensely prayed for before. I just want to share this with you real quick because, again, this one lady shows up. This was years ago. She had a brain tumor. She asked us to pray for her. We took it office. We prayed for her. A bunch of people prayed for her. And, and she went back to scan. The brain tumor was gone. All right? It was awesome. We also had somebody, though, comes and prays. She has cancer. He goes, will you pray for us? We prayed for her. Put her around and prayed for her. He said, God, heal her. She's an amazing woman in our church. And she ended up passing away from cancer. I don't understand that. That's where I don't have all the answers. But here's why I know with both of them is that Jesus stayed close to both of them through the whole process. Jesus is the hope. Not that we just find some kind of answer or solution to our problem, but Jesus is our hope that helps us through every step of the way. Jesus stays close to us, holds on to us, touches us when we feel untouchable, walks with us when we feel like we're all alone. Jesus is our hope. He's our hope. Now, I believe that being said, I believe there's a step for us that we need to take as well. It's this. I think that if we realize that Jesus is our hope, then we got to be able to do something with it. I want to show you, this is one of my favorite Jesus stories, all right? We all got our favorite Jesus stories. This is one of my favorite. It's because of what he says. Check this out. No, I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you today, but scripture does a lot better job of this than I do. John 9, 1 through 2. It says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Again, this is Jesus. He sees this guy blind from birth, right? And, he asks us, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, this is a, a thought process that if you had sin going on in your life or if you had a, an ailment going on in your life, it's because you sinned too much or because your parents sinned too much. And so now you have this, this ailment that stays with you. And I used to remember growing up, man, I had asthma like my whole life. I've still got asthma. And I remember being young and trying to play sports and having struggling breathing. And I remember as I was in church and getting in my teenage years, I'm like, why do I have asthma? What have I done so wrong to deserve asthma? Why am I born with asthma? And if I was back in this time, people would look at you and went, oh, you got breathing issues? Well, what'd you do? What did you do with your life? Or, hey, what did your parents do? You know, There's sin that causes us to be in your life. This is what the people thought. 
And this is what they're asking Jesus. And this is, again, this is, this is disciples asking him. These are good people. They're saying, hey, did he sin? Did somebody else sin? But look what Jesus says. Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus goes, no, you, you've missed the point of brokenness. Brokenness came into the world because of sin. But brokenness is not a punishment God is dishing out to try to just punish you every time you mess up. The brokenness that exists in this world is an opportunity for God to show who he is through us. And furthermore, because the hope we have in Christ, our brokenness should push us into the broken things of other people. Let me show you where I get this. Right after this, this is what Jesus says. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. You see that? We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. There's this, he gives us back the disciples and those of us who follow Jesus even today. We get to be about the work of the one who sent Jesus. In the midst of brokenness, we get to be a part of the work. And this is where I think the, the action part of this morning's message is that comes all the way from the beginning. Yes, brokenness happens at the beginning because of the, because of the, the choices that men and women make. But we don't have to just accept the brokenness around us and just go like, oh, well, they are sin. That's why they're going through that. Or like, oh, I don't want to be involved in that. That's horrible. We, the ones who follow Jesus, if you're a believer in Jesus and you've experienced the hope that comes through Christ, you now have the obligation to take that hope and do something with it, to go be about the work that God sent Jesus to do, that he sent us to do. The church now gets to go and be involved in the brokenness. In fact, if I had a bottom line this morning, super simple is this. We need to go share hope. It's one of our core values. When you leave today, look to the right, you'll see a list of core values. One of them is this share hope. And that's the re- one of the reasons that's been a core value for us is because it's who we're supposed to be as believers. This is not just a life winning, it's a believer's thing. We're supposed to share the hope that exists in this broken world. It's why we, people say, man, you guys have been doing Celebrate Recovery since you started. Yeah, 18 years tonight. Tonight, like there'll be more people show up. For 18 years, we've been having people show up here who are broken, who find themselves caught in addiction, who some of them will have not been clean, but maybe a day. They'll take in their first day in a long time to not have some kind of substance in their body today, and they'll show up tonight. And we won't just say like, oh, I hope, I hope you're getting help somehow. No, we wanted them to be here just like Jesus touched the leper. We want to be close to people who are broken. That's what we're called to do is share the hope with a broken world, with broken people. We're supposed to be involved in it. I know it's easier. Like it seems a lot, like when you find somebody in your life who's going through a hard time, there's part of us that goes like, oh, I don't want to get involved with that. They're going to talk to me for like an hour. Or I don't want to touch that. Like that's, that's too big of a problem for me. Or we'll say things like, I've got my own problems. I can't, I, can't, I can't do that. But we as the church are supposed to walk with those who are struggling, help those who are hurting, love those who find themselves unlovely, We should be willing to take on the brokenness of this world so that we can help someone understand what the love of Christ looks like so that they can be redeemed, so they can be back in relationship with God. We shouldn't walk away from the brokenness around us because it feels better. That's what got us here in the first place. 
to share hope, we will do things that don't feel better, but we will do things that actually affect brokenness in this world. And I feel like that's what the church has been called to do. Now, does that mean like if we all do that today, that we come back next week and none of us come in here with any brokenness? No, no, sorry. That is not going to happen. I'm going to still get up and probably take that blood pressure medicine. That's going to test going to be taking place, all right? And my girls are still going to use my bathtub. But if we do that, we do feel like that leper. We have some people who felt like nobody cared that are standing beside them, helping them, loving them, helping them make it through a day. And if we do that, we do that with understanding that this is temporary. Like there is actual actual complete restoration coming. Remember I told you it was the created intention for there to be no brokenness. And God's really clear if you read scripture that he's going to take us back to that created intention and Jesus is our pathway there. Now we're not there yet. Our relationship with God's been restored but for us to be back where it's the garden where we don't feel pain we don't feel that stuff we're not there yet. But I want to share with you a scripture to be hope to you uh, this morning before I let you go. This is the book of Revelation the very end of the Bible. Towards the very end of that book, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Talking about Jesus. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. See, there is a day coming. At the end. We don't have to worry about pain. We don't have to worry about mourning, about loss. You don't have to worry about the people you care about so much that you're in strife with. You don't have to worry about figuring out, you know, how you're going to deal with those financial issues. There's a day coming when that stuff is no more. Those things will have passed away and we will be back like it was in the garden. We'll walk with God. And he, it's crazy, I love this. Because I don't know. Like, we don't get a lot of details on some things. It just says, like, he touched this leopard guy, right? But I imagine this leopard guy is crying out, Lord, please heal me. And he's frantic. And he's just taking this shot in the dark. He knows people usually don't touch a leper. People don't come close to a leper. So he's just shouting out a shot in the dark. Jesus, man, please, Lord, if you would, please heal me. And could you imagine Jesus walking over there? And could you imagine him just touching that leper's face? Could you imagine if that leper was crying, him just wiping the tears from his face, going, hey, I will be healed. There's a day when Jesus will wipe the last tears from our face. You won't have to worry about waking up in the morning dealing with all the the stress that comes with the day. You'll get to walk in the garden again. And until that day comes, I hope we, as believers, would do all we can to help lessen the brokenness around us. To try to let others see the hope that exists in Christ. There's no way to do away with the pain completely that comes from the brokenness of this world, but Jesus has agreed to walk with us every step of the way. And that's where our hope lies. I'm going to pray for us and then 
I know when we talk about brokenness, we talk about that. There's all kind of different amounts of brokenness and struggles in here this morning. And I just want to say, if you need prayer this morning, if you're struggling with some brokenness, maybe it's over uh, a family member, maybe it's over something you're dealing with, maybe it's over some physical ailments you have, maybe whatever. I just want you to know that if you need to come pray during this time as we worship, feel free to come down here and pray. I'll pray with you. People will pray with you. Um, maybe you just need to, in your seat, spend time praying, worshiping. But if you need to see me after and have some time of prayer, whatever you need, I understand this world's broken and we are struggling with an immense amount of brokenness. And I don't want you to, I want you to know you're not alone in that. Uh, that this is a safe place that we're here as a church to walk with broken people, to help each other, to engage, to love each other, to lean on each other's shoulders. As we move toward the time when Jesus returns. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for everyone that's here. And God, I know there's got to be an immense amount of brokenness in this place. God, I know there has to be a ton of brokenness in hearts and in, in relationships and in jobs and businesses and in, in health, all kind of brokenness. And so God, I just pray right now that um, you would let your spirit rest with your people. They would know that they're not alone. They would know that in their brokenness, you were with them. That they've not gone too far or nothing's happened to the point where you would not come right across the street, God, and wipe the tears from their eyes. And so, God, this morning, if anyone needs God, just let them know there's freedom in this place to pray, freedom to worship. And God, let us just turn all of our hope love you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.